0: So good to be with you guys here. Um, this is a place we want you to be able to belong before you believe, experience faith, ask questions, ex- um, explore faith, maybe before you make commitments, but but we want you to move toward toward Christ and knowing Him. I was at this um, wedding, I do weddings, a lot of weddings, I was at this wedding and I was on the stage and I was looking out over the crowd, it was outside and it was uh, the hottest, most humid day of august and we've had some hot humid ones haven't we it was this last august just a few weeks ago and i was i was in full like wedding regalia i had like you know like the wool like i don't know why i bought wool shirts like they're made out of wool and i had my suit on and tie on and it was just i was sweating like a pig just want you to think about that image for a second <laughs> And I looked over, and uh, my friend Mike, Michael Rab, the guy who was leading worship, if you didn't know Mike, he's, he was there, and uh, Sam, another friend, was there. And, um they were just beaming. I mean, sweat just glistening off their faces. Their faces were just aglow with, like, watching the congregation and then looking at their friends being married. Their uh, friend Ryan was getting married to Kelsey, and it was just like this long-awaited, like, Ryan, Wally's getting married. Like, and people were just so excited to be there, even though it was just hotter than nine hells. It was intense. And the thing that people didn't know is that Mike and Sam were like, unofficially running everything. They, were, they, uh, they, they got all the sound system there. They made sure that there was a videographer there. Uh, Michael did the, the editing for it. Michael was also playing a song in the wedding and singing in the wedding. I mean, he does that a lot, but he's, all, he's got all these other things to go. And he was like the best man, and Sam's like helping him be the best man. And so they planned the bachelor party on top of this. They were running, I mean, just everything. And they were standing up front, you know, like on a hot day, trying not to pass out in front of everybody. I mean, it was, they were just working like dogs, and like in the middle of the wedding, you couldn't tell because they were, there was so much joy. Their joy wasn't in like receiving anything, it was from experiencing the joy of the congregation and the joy of their friends. They were just like, they, they, they did everything for this thing and got to see the, this wonderful thing, and joy just welled up. Have you ever been in a situation like that? This is how it is in the kingdom of God. Like when you join God's family, you receive his forgiveness and love and the transformation that happens. And God gives us so many things when we come into his family. But one of the things that changes in us is we go from being served to becoming servants. A lot of times, um, people in our culture, when we look at serving, like people don't like to put themselves in serving because it means I'm less than, but in God's kingdom, we learned last week that serving is actually, like that makes you great, that actually transforms the dynamics between people instead of trying to lord over people or like somehow get the upper hand through power control, popularity, uh, relevance, um, influence, instead of looking at those things to be sought after, like so that we can say, look at me. Me and look at the, the the relationships I have and the social circles I am, I'm in, and the money I have. Like Jesus says, no, 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 the greatest is actually going to be the servant, the one who becomes less and lifts people up, empowers people to be what they never thought they could be. As my friends were the groom groomsmen in this wedding, so we become in the, in the family of God, in the banquet of God, like there's this feast going on, like there's this family thing going on, this kingdom that most people can't see and don't even really know is going on because they haven't experienced it. We are the ones who get to invite and support and create that environment in the, in the presence of God. Isn't that special? One of the verses we read, I just want to read part of it, it's from Philippians chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 5, it says that we, if we want to be servants, we have to adopt the same attitude as as that of Jesus Christ, the same mentality, the same outlook on the world, the same, like, willingness. And in verse 7 it says that he, Jesus, emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking the like of huma- the likeness of humanity. He assumed... The form of a servant. We, we live in a world that, like, we want popularity, power. We want to be the big thing. We think we know what we want for our lives. We want to be in control. But God knows that we need a servant more than we need power or popularity or whatever. And Jesus came as a servant and ultimately gave himself up to die for us on the cross. Uh, Religion, if you were to boil it down in its simplest form, like faith, true faith, um, is boiled down like this by Jesus. It's loving the Lord Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love people. Love God and love people. And if we're going to be servants, that means that if we love God, we serve God. If we love people, we serve people. That's... Like So if you want to be great, or if you want to like look for someone who's going to be good to date, someone that might be marriage material, uh, someone that you want in your life to, to, that, to be a good friend, look for somebody who serves, who lifts others up. Often we look at the success stories. I'm more interested, I'm learning to be more interested in who helped that person be successful. Because that, that's the servant. That's the leader. Um, and we, we often, like, we want to choose our assignments, but if we're a follower of Christ, we don't choose the assignments that, that come from God. He gives them to us, and we, we choose to say yes or no, because servants follow Christ. We follow our leader. Now, what I want to do today is look at, <clears throat> is look at some re- a really powerful parable, a story that Jesus told, and this story... Um, has power uh, f- for multiple reasons, but here's here's a few things I want us to get out of today. The first is when we go through this story, uh, Jesus, being the genius uh, teacher and storyteller he was, actually um, has two layers. He has multiple layers, but two layers to this story, two perspectives that are transformative. If you let if you let him, it's kind of like his left hook and then punched to the gut. Like Jesus has a way of getting to the heart. Um, in amazing ways, and especially through stories. So I want us to see through two perspectives, and then there's three tasks we're gonna be we're gonna be learning that are the tasks of those who would serve God, who would serve Christ. The three tasks, and uh, briefly, the tasks are preparing. Inviting and enjoying. And we'll go more into those in a little bit. But let's start with this story. If we really want to dig in to what is what is it to be a servant? We have to have the mind of a servant. We have to understand what what serving really is. And so the story Jesus is telling to a group of people. There's there's a wealthy man that's invited Jesus and his disciples and all the people who are following, and all these wealthy people and religious leaders, and all these people have gathered into this banquet. How many guys know that Jesus did a lot of banquets, a lot of parties? He was the pastor of party. It was a pretty sweet deal for him most of the time until the end. Good, you guys are awake. (laughs) Now, in the midst of this party with all these different people, people at the top of the social pyramid and, uh, you know, religious and social elites and wealthy and people at the bottom who are poor, blind, don't have anything, like uh, haven't been trained in, you know, the ways of the religious Pharisees. um, Jesus tells this story. To this man. He says, A man was giving a large banquet and invited many people. At the time of the banquet, he sent out his servant to tell those who were invited, Come because everything is now ready. Now, what that means really quickly is that there has already been invitations sent out to these people. Um, And these people already know about this. This is planned. This is supposed to be in their in their planner, in their calendar. And he sends, in this culture, you would send like the servant to go tell them, okay, everything's ready now, so show up. It's like the second invitation, and he sends out the servant to go do that. But without exception, they all began making excuses. Without exception, they, who's they in this story? It's the people who have been invited. And this is like a big banquet. And so like, as we'll see reading through this, like this big banquet means that this person has to have some big pockets. They have some means. So the person throwing the banquet is probably pretty wealthy. They're in the social elite um, circles. They're in the club. They're at the top of the pyramid. And they're inviting their, um, their friends, their social circle. But they all begin to make excuses The first one said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. I ask you to excuse me. If you're the master who's thrown this banquet and they've known about it for months and you've put all this money into it, it's going to be fantastic. And your friend says, oh, what's the excuse? I bought a field. I need to go look at it. The field. Like that can't wait till later. Really? Really? Like you've known about this. You can go look at the field anytime. like, what an insult. Like he knows that the field isn't the reason the guy isn't coming and his family's not coming. It's not the reason. Well, the second person, another says, "Well, I've bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to try them out. I ask you to excuse me. Really? Like, I bought some oxen. I bought some animals. I know I've known about this for a while, but I just—I really need to go test those oxen to make sure they have what it takes. You didn't know that when you bought them? You really need to go do this. I mean, there's just excuse after excuse. Is this really the reason they're not coming to the banquet? It seems like a weak excuse. Like, there's got to be something else. Like, this is getting insulting. And then the third uh, guy comes, um, has an excuse, and it's uh, verse 21. Or excuse me, verse 20. And another said... Well, I just got married, and therefore I'm unable to come. Well, that makes sense. Okay, I get that. I'm getting married. So the servant comes back and reports these things to his master. Comes to the master and says, hey, um, I know we're throwing a party. We just prepared this big deal, and it's cost a lot of money. I just want you to know, please don't kill the messenger. <laughs> They're not coming. Nobody's coming. In this culture, this is like a shame and honor based culture. Like he is being dishonored. This is shame. This is embarrassment. Like someone dropping a cell phone in the middle of it. No, I'm just teasing you, <laughs> Jesse. I see you back there. <laughs> <It's> like, oh. <laughs> Pastor George is so mean. But this is dishonoring to him. I mean, can you imagine, like, you're in the social elite, and then all the people that are your friends, and you've worked your way and built your way, or maybe had family connections, whatever it was, you're in this group, and then all of a sudden, you're being dishonored, like, there's shame, there's embarrassment, and then not, like, not to mention, there's some of you out there who are like, but the food, (laughs) what about the food, have have any of you guys ever thrown a party, or done, or organized some kind of uh, a big event, and then like, the people that you really were hoping would be there and were committed, like they found excuses, they found every reason not to be there and it wasn't what it should be. Have you ever felt that? Like, ugh, I just threw a lame party, you know? <laughs> or just no one, no one takes your invite and there's nothing, you know, what do you do? You've put the invite out and now you just look like a loser because no one wants to hang out with you at all. And you know, people can tell you like, you're not a loser or whatever, but you're like, no, I feel like a loser. Like, have you ever, have you ever felt that way? So normally in this situation, in this culture, and I think probably in ours, the normal response if no one's coming and like there's already been enough embarrassment by them like pushing away, their disassociation, that you just cancel it, right? Like in this culture, you just cancel it, lick your wounds, and like try to figure out like why, what did you do to cause like this response in the in your friend group? Like I must have done something wrong. So you'd cancel it. But in this story, the master hears the bad news. And he has a shocking response. This is not normal. Like as Jesus is telling the story, um, people are leaning in, right? And he says, um, servant reports these things to the master. And he says, in anger, the master of the house told his servant, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the blind, and the lame. like totally shocked this does not happen like people that are listening are like what this is this doesn't make sense and you're seeing this reversal where like the wealthy who are always included get excluded they choose the exclusion and then the, the, the people at the low like the bottom of the pyramid the bottom of the heap the, the nobodies become somebody And it's not even enough. Like there's such an extravagance to this. Like the servant comes back and reports. Okay, what you ordered has been done. We've we've brought those people. They're coming. But there's still room. There's still room. The master told the servant, go out in the highways and the hedges. Go beyond. Like go to like the the Gentiles and go to the the people that no one would ever invite or even think about. And go out to them and and make them come in. Compel them to come in so that my house can be filled with people, For I tell you not one of these people who are invited, who disinvited themselves, will enjoy my banquet. Now here's the thing. The first per- There's two perspectives we have to understand this parable. The first perspective is Jesus is talking to a wealthy man who's inviting Jesus into his life and to experience him, to belong. And, and he's attracted to Jesus. But I don't know that he's committed to Jesus. Do you know the difference? Like he's, he's attracted to Jesus, but I don't know if he's made a commitment. There's kind of like this interest. So he's bringing him. in. Jesus says, hey, hey, I, gotta, I need to tell you something. Here's a story. And the story is going to tell you like the path of you, that your life can take. And guys, this is only for him. Whenever Jesus would say, hey, this, I'm telling this story for him, guess what everybody else would do? What? What? What's going on? Sometimes I'll say it in here. You know, this is only for Christians, or this is only for non-Christians. I just want you to listen. You know, most of the time people don't just start sleeping. They're like, oh, good, it's not me. People lean in because we want what, to, what's, what's being said? Like, I want to know that. Like, if he gets to know, I get to know that. So Jesus tells this story. And what, what we're seeing here is he tells a story about a wealthy man who's interested in Jesus, attracted Jesus, but hasn't made full commitment to him, who's got one foot in his old wealth community, like the the elites, the religious and social and financial elites, like the top of the pyramid. He's got one foot there, but then he's being attracted to this other community of like ragamuffins and weird and low class and like people that you wouldn't normally associate with. And he's being pulled toward Jesus with this other community of just mixed like weirdness. Can't, you can't even put your finger on it, like how weird it is, but how somehow it's compelling. And so all of a sudden, he, he's finding himself in the midst of this banquet, throwing this banquet. And Jesus is telling him about a man like him who threw this banquet. And, and, and Jesus says, and then when he invited the wealthy and his friends, they all disinvited themselves what it's saying is they all shunned him why because he's moving out of their group or the norm and the social expectations for that group and he's moving into another group the people who are lesser and have less than and aren't good enough and they're he's they're, they're the somebodies these are the nobodies and so they're shunning him And Jesus is saying, if you follow me, there's going to be a point where everyone's excited about a party. But when you start inviting the people that they don't want at the party, they're going to start shunning you and rejecting you. Do you guys see it? And there's this powerful moment where Jesus paints a picture for those of us who would want to be a part of the banquet of God. Like, I'm willing to bet many of us have come from a group, from a family, from a uh, social uh, status where maybe we've had one foot and can fill this tension and in, in, in the family we're from is like, they're atheists. No, they, they laugh at people who believe in anything that they can't see, touch, smell, that they can't prove empirically. I mean, it's a joke to them. And all of a sudden, your heart's being compelled toward Christ in the Jesus community. And they're like, that's a joke. And all of a sudden, you start feeling the tensions and you start maybe even feeling like ostracized. And You ever felt that tension? Maybe you've been like in a, uh, like you were with a group that was like the pop. I mean, like everybody loved this, everyone's trying to get in this group. You like have super social skills or your family has money or whatever. You've got in. You got in somehow. And then all of a sudden, like, this community that Jesus is, is, is painting a picture of and creating that's not about like our, how much we can gain for ourselves, but it's about how much we can give away. It's not about our selfishness. It's about our selflessness. It's about the way of the cross. It's about loving other people, loving God, loving people. And it's like, it's like totally breaking all the paradigms in your brain. And, it's, and then all of a sudden, you're starting to move toward it. And what do you feel over here when you start putting your foot in this camp? What do you feel? Tension. Tension. Whether it's money, it's social status, it's like, like, or just a club. Like this is my small group, and that this is who it is. This is it, and you're getting pulled out. There's tension, and Jesus says, "Who are you trying to please? Do you see that they've become your master? You can't serve two masters. Who are you trying to gain approval?" Because the t- the tendency is for us to go running back and be like, no, 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 it's okay, guys. I'm not that committed, or I'm not that weird. You know, like maybe like people who've come from like club hedonism, friends. Like we go, we party. That's what we do, and we party. And like you know, there's like this tension in your heart, and you've got like one foot over here, and you want to do the right thing, and you'll go to church, and you'll do some things, and especially when you feel guilty, you're like, oh. But then like when these people are around, they're like, what do you mean you're not coming with us? Are you kidding? Like, like this is what we do. You haven't become like them. Like that tension starts to rise and Jesus saying, who, where do you seek your approval? Where do you seek your approval? And he, and he teaches, he's saying in the story like to anybody who would be caught in that tension, any man that's like this who's wealthy and he's like leaving that. Like he's to invite those people, but he's like, if you focus on them, you're going to miss the kingdom of God, what he's doing you focus on the people that are the poor, the blind, the, like the people that like, man, you, your body odor just smells terrible. But I'm in your community. I love you. Like I don't, I, I, I sometimes I like, can't stand your personality. Or just like how you, you rub me the wrong way. But that's your community because Jesus creates an inclusive community, not an exclusive. doesn't mean we accept everything. It doesn't mean Jesus accepted all like sin and be like, oh, that sin, that horrible thing you're doing isn't bad. No, there's bad and good and there's, there's evil and good, but we're an inclusive community where there's an acceptance that's going on. You guys, you guys see this vision that Jesus is painting? It's compelling. And so he teaches from that perspective. My question really quickly before I move on is, do you have one foot in one world and one foot in the other? What are you going to do about that? Jesus says, look to those who are in need. Bring them in. We can spend all our time on people who don't, who don't want Jesus, who don't want what's best for you. and like, It doesn't mean abandon everything. But don't abandon your soul to that. Don't, don't let your soul be destroyed if you've got this new calling to be a part of Jesus' community and bringing people who are hurting. Jesus didn't come to hang out with like, people who thought they were well. He came to be with people who were sick. That's where we need to be. Second perspective. You guys ready for this? Second perspective. Um, the Second perspective is in this parable. God is also, he also represents, is represented by the banquet um, thrower. The man who's throwing the banquet is God. That God is longing for his sons and daughters. People who have wandered off. People who don't know him. People who are lost and broken. To be brought into his home. Brought into his place of joy and life and love. And so like the father's heart. You have to. The gospel. The good news is that like. Though we were, we've excluded ourselves from the kingdom of God because of sin and brokenness, and God sent his son to die outside the city in, exclu- in exclusion, like being rejected, so that we could be accepted, so that we could be included in God's family. And the, and the invitation of God is always to join. Always to join. God, I'm not good enough. I, like, I'm imperfect. I've got some really bad stuff in my past, in my heart. Currently, I've, I'm struggling with this. God says, come in. Come in. He creates a community. God is the God of the banquet. And then we become his servants. We're like my friend Michael and Sam, the groomsmen, who get to like, have joy not by receiving everything, but by giving everything. So, three things that are really important from that perspective. First one is preparing for the banquet. Preparing for the banquet. You might want to take your notes out if you have them. Preparing for the banquet. Verse 17, at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who were invited. Like, go tell them. Come because everything is now ready. Now, um, everything is ready. It didn't just get ready. How many of you guys have had company over recently? Did the house just get ready? No. I mean, unless there was someone in your house that got it ready for you, no. No. It had, like, it takes work. Um, when I was a. When I was a kid, my family would have company over probably once a week, once or twice a week, always have company over. And that meant on Saturday, because we'd usually have them over on Sunday on saturdays it was like cleaning day so it was like you know i had to do we all had our different chores you have to get the uh, vacuum the carpet we had to uh, I, I had to like dust all the antiques my parents had a lot of antiques got to dust those clean windows clean the bathrooms clean our rooms get everything going and in the midst of this like my i was always learning that my standard as high as i thought it was was never as high as my mom's <laughs> Never quite where it needed to be because companies coming and she wanted it at a certain standard. I want them to know that they're loved. My mom is such a detailed person. I mean, when people would come, like the house would be ready, but she would be serving them. Like, do you want, you want some tea? Do you want this? You don't want tea? How about this? How about some Diet Coke? And she'd be have food and she's just such a great host, you know. And um, we, But it took preparation. We had to get ready. I remember sometimes like... Um, you know, the bathroom went quite, be, you know, my standard is like, let's make sure the countertop is clear and all the puddles and toothpastes kind of, you know, taken care of. It's good. My mom would walk in there. What in the world? George, you know, I'd be like, ah, she pulled me in. She's like, look at this. And she, you know, rubbed the side of the bathtub. She's like, this is disgusting. It's <laughs> like, so clean that toilet. Did you clean it? Uh, yeah. It doesn't look like anything happened. Clean it again. You know, like it had to be up to the standard. And she's like, I'm going to be back in, a, in, a, in an hour. I'm going to go pick up some food. Better be cleaning. Got an hour. Okay. And then all of a sudden, the TV would start calling. There's some show on, you know, like Saved by the Bell, something, you know. I <laughs> a show. My mom would get back, George, why do you, I, you get in. I'm like, ah, oh. you know, I'd have another two hours of cleaning. <laughs> we have to prepare for people. We have to be ready for them. We have to be ready to serve, like, in the details So people know that we thought about them. We love them. We prepare for them. Servants, prepare for people to come. We're going to be doing a series. um, It's our fall launch series. It's going to start in October 1st. I'm so excited about it. Last year uh, for our fall launch, we did this thing called Leave It in Egypt. The story, this beautiful narrative about how God takes his people, Israel, frees them from Egypt. The whole series is about freedom. You can look it up online. On YouTube for Whitewater and check it out. But we're going to be continuing that with the journey. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be the journey of Israel through the wilderness. And it really is like, how do I I figure my spirituality, my relationship with the Lord out? um like on this crazy thing called life and in the middle of this journey and it's one of the most fantastic and real and gritty stories like it doesn't hold back and we're going to be going through this and it's the journey and it's going to be helping people recognize where are you at in your journey where do you want to be what's standing between you and the lord and getting where he wants you to be it's gonna be fantastic and guys we need to get ready for the banquet does that make sense it's preparation time. In the fall, this is one of the hardest times for people. There's seasonal depression. Um, people's families, all, for whatever reason, start falling apart at the seams. In the fall and in Christmas time, it's just, even though it can be really nostalgic, it can also be really hard for people. And people are more receptive during this time. And so, are we ready to love them, the ones who are hurting and broken, and bring them in? That leads to the next point, which is, that servants in this story are inviting people to the banquet. Our job as servants is to invite people to the banquet. Then he told them a man was uh, giving a large banquet and invited many people at the time of the banquet. He had sent his servant to tell those who were invited, come because everything is now ready. And so they say, uh, oh, excuse me. It says, go quickly to the streets and alleys of the street and bring In here, the poor, bring them, invite them over and over in this passage, bring, invite. And then verse 22, master, the the servant said, you, what you ordered is done and there's still room. And then the master told the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and make them come in, like compel them to come in so that my house can be filled. We serve a God, the father who has a banquet and there's always room. There's always room. Like, you know, it's funny. The servants are like, you know, like, there's there's still some capacity. And a lot of times, us as servants, we get really concerned about the capacity of the room. Or like, man, I like this group that I'm in. Like, this size. I just feel like I can connect with people. And if it gets bigger, I just don't, you know, I can't connect. And so, like, let's keep it smaller. You know, I just like the size of my church because then I can connect with people. And don't get me wrong. Friends, I, like, I love being able to get to know most of the people in our church. But I remember when Whitewater was just, like, people meeting in a home. And if we'd been like, you know what? Like, let's plant Whitewater Church and that'd be a great church. Like, fant- like, the best place you'll be. But let's just make it for us. I wouldn't know any one of you. Any one of you. Um, don't worry about the room. Worry about whom? Whom are you inviting? Don't worry about the room. Worry about whom? God wants his house filled with people. He wants it filled with people. There's this like, mentality that happens. Like I was living up in Bellingham um, in, in college. I remember there's an area where like a lot of wealthy people would, would live, and it was really hard to get into. And it, like, You had to pay a lot of money, and you had to work through a lot of red tape to build a home. It overlooked the ocean. It was beautiful. Everyone's trying to get in there. It was the status symbol. I'm sure there's nothing like that in Puyallup. And uh, people were fighting and people would fight, fight, fight to get in there and, you know, try to break the rules that people were making so that they couldn't join because it's, it's exclusive. It's a club. You have to be part of the club and you're, you're not wealthy enough or we don't want it to get any bigger until so, like I have a few friends that got in and they're like, oh yes, they let me in. And then they turn back around and be like, yeah, but no more, no more people. We need to draw the line here. And um, Jesus said, on this, I'll build my church. He's talking about Peter, about people. And the, and the gates of hell will not stand against her. Did you know the church is the only thing that's going to last? It's going to last corporations. It's going to outlast businesses. It's going to outlast countries, nations. has outlasted. And it's always growing and always expanding. And who, like our father has room. We're not to worry about the room. We're supposed to worry about home whom are we inviting our job is to invite our job is to prepare our job is to be ready are we ready are we gonna be like those servants in that parable in luke 12 that get given the keys to take care of the house and the master leaves and they're supposed to do some stuff and they know nothing and the master comes when they don't expect and he's like what's going on it's like my mom walking in the bathroom george what's going on are we ready for company? Are we ready? God loves people. And here's my other question. For, when we get that mentality, and I, I, I understand it. I've been there before, like wanting to, man, we want to keep this nice for me and let's just keep it at this size. And, you know, like these people I know. Let me ask you this. Who do we leave out? Who do we leave out? My God so loved the world he gave his son so that anyone who believe in him would have eternal life. Anyone. Our job is to invite people, to bring people, to get them there. And notice in this story, like the weak, the sick, the blind, the lame, they're all in transition, they're in trouble, they're in trial. One of the signs that God uses to tell us, hello, invite Bring them into your life. Bring them into your community group. Bring them into your church. It's like when people are going through transition. If someone tells a story of going through great transition, it's like, like, like hello, like love them and, and, and see if they'd be interested in having a community that they need that loves them. They can say, no, that's okay. But focus on inviting, on whom are we going to invite? And often when people are in transition or in trouble, in trial, that's God saying, invite, bring them in. like They need Jesus. Am I speaking to you guys? We're to be the ones who invite and the ones who bring. The last piece is this. Enjoying the banquet. Enjoying the ba- banquet. I love that in this story, like the wealthy, they opt out. Now the guy is wealthy and not all wealthy people opt out. The story is just about, there's, anything can keep you from, from taking the invitation of God. Someone's wounds and, and their lack of resources could cause them to reject an invitation too. But I love in this story that it's just is proving the point that, like, the banquet of God is not about employment, it's about enjoyment. The banquet of God is not about our employment, it's not about our status, it's about having joy connected to the Father. I, I want us to be a church where, like, we're like Sam and Mike looking out at. It you know, all these people that we didn't know and looking at our, you know, our friends, us looking at God and seeing his joy and seeing the transformation of people. Invitation leads to transformation. Invitation leads to transformation. And you and I, when we prepare and when we get ready and then we invite and then we, you know, are here, like our serving doesn't stop. We're not just like, okay, you're here. Someone might love you. Like, that's when the real serving begins, and it's our joy to serve. Even if we're, like, in the humid 98-degree weather, sweating like pigs, and we're tired, we're doing it because it's worth it. It changes lives. People need a place where they can belong before they believe. People need God's love. They need it. Do we come to church in, with invitation, with preparation, And and looking for God in expectation of transformation. Do we expect God to show up? Do we expect him to change people? Do we expect him to change our lives? I want to invite you into that kind of life where God is moving. We're going to be having this thing next week. If we think about preparing, we're going to be having this thing called open house. It's after this service. And and we're just going to clear the chairs and we're going to have different, you know, areas where you can go look at. Here's this area of serving. Here's this area of serving. Here's how uh, Whitewater blesses community. There are different teams. And I I just want you to be thinking about this 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 week. You know, what team could you be joining? And even if you don't have much time or you don't think you have much talent or whatever, like I'm telling you, if you give some time to God, he's going to use it. If you give some of your talent to God, he's going to use it. You give some of your treasure to God, he's going to use it. God will use what you can give. And the more you give, the more he uses. Next week we're having this thing, Open House. Come check it out. Look at the teams and see if you can help us prepare for fall launch. And who's going to come? Who are we inviting? Who are we bringing that needs Jesus, who's in transition, trouble, trial? This is the bank of God I love. I'm just going to leave you guys with this. Um, What you ordered has been done. What you asked, we've done. How cool is that to be able to come to Jesus and be like, hey, what you've asked me to do, the tasks of a servant to prepare, invite, and then enjoy and serve. Like, it's been done. And then the response, and then the continued response is, we've done what you've asked, and there's still more room. The Father wants his house to be filled. We are, we are a movement sparked and, and empowered by God to change lives. Do we believe it? Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We're so grateful for you. Would you help us to prepare? Prepare our hearts, To prepare, prepare our homes, prepare our community groups, prepare our church to expect company to come, to love people in the details, to invite people, Lord, to take that step of faith when we hear if there's someone in transition, someone in trouble or trial, Lord, to bring them and invite them into your kingdom and to see what you will do, Lord. We pray that the invitations that are made this year and this fall would lead to utter transformation. In Jesus' name, amen.